You are the foundation of your family. You are the firm footing they build their lives on. You carry a glorious burden and you never dream of laying it down. You carry it with joy and gratitude. You show up even when you don't feel like it. You lead, serve, love, and protect. You are a father. This is the Dad Work Podcast, where men are forged into elite husbands and fathers by learning what it takes to become harder to kill, easier to love, and equipped to lead. Get ready to start building the only legacy that truly matters, your family. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dad Work Podcast. This is Kurt Storing, your host, the founder of Dad Work, and uh, we're going to jump into this episode pretty quick because we're trying something a little bit different. Here's what we're doing. I just invited Scott Ramage back on the podcast. He is literally a mentor of mine. He's been on the podcast a couple times, and I was like, man, let's just do a show where we bring some topics and we just chat about it, see what comes up, take some side tours. Whatever comes up is what comes up, and uh, we'll just have a little bit of a, a conversation, a banter, see what comes of that. And you know what, guys? I think that it actually worked pretty well. We're going to do maybe another one of these, maybe a few more of these. Who knows? I might do this with some more guys who I've had on the podcast a few times as well. But uh, anyway, let me know what you think about this. If you are in Spotify, there should be a little Q&A thing below this episode where you can just fill out like liked it, didn't like it, whatever you want to say. Uh, if you're on Apple or elsewhere, just send me a DM on Instagram or send me an email. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear what you think. Anyway, let's get into this show with Scott Ramage and myself. Here we go. All right, Scott, we're here. This is the first time we're going to do this for dad work, but we're just going to shoot the breeze, man. We're going to get into some topics. You guys met Scott before. He's been on the podcast a bunch of times, but I just want to like hear a topic from you. I'm going to share a topic and then we'll just chat about it. And I think that's going to be super valuable for guys because we're just two dads, two husbands, different stages of life. And I think it's going to be a lot of value. So first of all, man, Thank you. Actually, guys, I'm going to be transparent. We just tried to do this. Didn't go well. And I did something I don't normally do, which is I was like, Scott, this doesn't feel good. Can we start again? So I don't know. What did you think? Was that a good call for me? I don't know. I, I think it was a good call for you personally because I know you and I think it's a big deal. What you just did was a big deal. Like I, I didn't feel the same way as you because I'm just having a conversation, but I am not. Oh, man. Yeah. I just got in my head and I was like, oh, I talked too much at the beginning. I'm thinking about this. It's not the angle I was going to go. So anyway, this is round two and it's going to be way better. Um, but let's just get into a topic. And I want to talk specifically about the thing that is most impactful for me right now, which is this idea of observation versus judgment. And I know for a fact, my wife is doing this right now. Um, a guy in my program just talked to me about it. Um, I, a friend I met on the weekend is going through this right now. And it is the reality that as we look around in the world, um, man, things are, things are looking rough in terms of human beings and the decisions they're making. Now, I am going to say from the outside looking in, you might call me judgmental. I don't, I really don't think or want that to be my heart because I've worked a lot on that. I have been judgmental. I've put myself on a pedestal. The Lord has really humbled me on that. And yet I can't look around and go like, oh, that's fine. They can do that thing that's ruining their lives and ruining society and not making me any friends. But like, man, I, I don't know where my responsibility lies between 
I'm seeing you do a terrible thing out there and it's driving me nuts. I see men not leading. I see coaches in a coaching position not doing the thing and inspiring young boys. I'm like, what a wasted opportunity. I don't know what this is. Is it me being an a-hole? Should I just love people? Um, Am I allowed to sort of say you're not doing good enough? But then what do I do? Because I feel lost. I feel like, man, I'm... I am operating on a very high level and I'm okay saying that, but not a lot of other people are. And it doesn't have to be as good as me or perfect or anything like that, but it's like people aren't even trying. So anyway, that's a, an impassioned way of saying, am I just judging and am I being an asshole or like, is there some level of this where I'm allowed to be like, no, those are my standards and you guys need to, you know, be better. Anyway, what do you think? I want to compartmentalize this in two different areas. One is observation of the world happening around you, and one is who you allow in your circle. And so when you grow, when you get to a place where you are improving and you're you're operating at a level that is in alignment with God, it's alignment with your own core values, it's alignment with how you want to move your family forward, you're going to see all the crap out there. Like I go to a football game and I see how a coach is talking to what he says to the parents and then the way he talks to the kids and then the kids uh, swearing on the field and then praying afterwards. I'm like, my head wants to explode. I want to run down there and rip the guy's head off and say, you are the worst leader in the world. This is a, you know, like, so like I totally, my wife and I were horrible. We'll be like sitting here going like their leadership sucks. And it would be so much more effective if they did X, Y, and Z. And don't they realize that they aren't responsible for fixing that person? They need to just fix themselves. And this, like, that's observation. And it is judgmental. Sure, we're judging them. We're judging them based on what we know because we have a different level of operation. We have a different level of wisdom. We have a different level of, we have a higher standard to what we what we live by. So the the more you raise your own, the more everyone else is going to become a parent. Now, the thing that we have to realize here, there's, there's twofold. One, everyone's human. They might be looking at you and they might be elevated in another place and saying, that guy's a ding dong. He doesn't know what the heck he's doing. So you have to understand that the, the shoe goes on the other foot as well. And two, what I say about, what I say about how do we impact the world? Is the same thing that I say is how do we impact our marriage? How do we impact our kids? How do we impact our business partners, our clients? We control the controllables. And what is that? What, what can we control? It's ourself. So lead by example, lead by example, lead by example, lead by example. And then when it's something like a football coach, if things are going wrong, then you have some decisions to make because I'm not going to stand by quietly if my son is out there being told this is how you do it, but then you do it differently and you're rewarded for doing it differently. And then you're living a different life than you're, because that's a teaching moment for me. I'm going to have that conversation with my son and I might have a conversation with the coach just as an example. So you will observe more when you are at a high, operating at a higher level. And now it's you, you use that to decide who you let into your life at the next level. Now, you need to be around those people. You need to be a light on a hill for those people because how do you expect them to be better? Right. Okay. So that's, I think the thing here is like, I'm letting it bother me so much because I'm like everywhere I look. Every time I go to the grocery store, I'm like, you eat that? That's not even food. And then I see like these, I'm going to say like skinny fat, hasn't been to a gym in his entire life, not motivating, not inspiring, not challenging the young boys in this camp, not doing the things that I go like, bro, just try. 
And like, I, it doesn't impact me other than like, I see these children not getting what they might have got. I see my son not being pushed. I see other people make terrible choices when they could just do better. And I think what you just said there, which is control the controllables, which is me, like, okay, that that feels important for this conversation, but I just let it get to me, man. I'm just oh, yeah. complaining about it. And I don't know if there's like another way. And yes, because here's the other thing too. I want to ask a couple guys locally who are very generous, um, you know, a little bit older than me, very amazing when it comes to meeting people and like in Tim Hortons, a coffee shop up here with people who they just met in this place. It's not a great sort of neighborhood, just giving and giving and giving. I'm like, man, I do not have that heart. And so I've been praying like, Lord, give me the heart to to love people. Because someone also said to me recently, you can always tell who loves the Lord because they love people. And I'm like... Oh man, like I want that. I just don't feel like I got that. So putting that into this whole like judgmental observation thing, I don't know what to do. And maybe it's just be satisfied with being me and lead the way and be that light. But is there anything else I should be doing here? Or like, can I drop this somehow? I'm just so angry about it. If it's causing you anger. So I would say raise the rent in your head. That's a saying that we use around here. So like your, your time worrying is, it's just not worth it. And so one of the things that eats at me like crazy, Kurt, is when people leave their, I don't know if you guys call them buggies or carts, they're grocery carts right. is what we call them. And I'll watch somebody literally just move it up to another car and just like prop it against the car, get in their car and leave. And like, okay, so how can I control this? <laughs> if I have the opportunity, I rush over there and I get behind them with the cart because I'm, and I make it a point that I'm putting it away probably maybe not the best decision but i'm i'm like they're gonna see me like have to work to fix their problem and they're probably not gonna think any about it anything about it but i feel a little better um but the the other side of that is like the other day we pull up to walmart there's like nobody in the parking lot and there's a cart somebody left in a stupid spot nobody's looking and i walked past it just a teeny bit and the thought hit my head how you do anything is how you do everything and so I walked back and I got the cart and I put it in. And I just think that instead of focusing on the anger of what other people are doing, we focus on like leveling ourselves up, just continually leveling, leveling ourselves up. We should be leading when like literally there's no personal gain. And there's a real fine line between you have to get to a place, Kurt, where you feel energy from helping people and being kind to people that really don't deserve your kindness. That's a really, so that can be an energy stealer. And so that really means it's time to work on myself. And I think what, what will happen is if you, if you act in an extreme kind manner to somebody who is acting way out of alignment with, you know, they're buying, (laughs) there was a dad at Costco the other day, he had like five, the, the most sugary cereals you could with his little daughter sitting in there and had um, like three different bags of chips. And I'm like, I told my wife, I'm like, that is the problem with society right there. Like, and it's, it's super judgmental, but is it, can I do anything about it in that circumstance? No. And so then it's like, is it worth renting any space in my head? No, Scott, raise the rent that is above your, that's, that is not, something you're going to make a difference in in this moment. What can I make a difference in? I can talk about it on my podcast, which will have a slow trickle out. I can, um, I can, I can live it 
out loud. I can put things in my cart and and I've started to notice people who I'm like, ooh, they shopped on the outside of the the shopping of the grocery store. Look at that. Meat, vegetables, fruit, eggs, milk. All right, we're good. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it, we have to put our our focus and energy into what gives us energy. But I think what will happen over time is if you learn to smile at someone you can't relate with, if you learn to make work really hard on making a personal connection, if I would have walked past that guy and like, oh, it's really tight in here. I hope you have an amazing day. I would have gone away energized from that and not had a conversation about his cart, but maybe thinking, okay, I, in- I infused a little bit of happiness into his or joy into his day. Yeah. Okay, man, this is okay. It, it makes me notice that it's a control thing for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I, I could do this. If you just listen to me, I would be like the best at if you were a video game character, we would be on all star mode and you would win, but you're not. And it's so frustrating because I can see how to make it great. And I think what you just said about like leading, I, I witnessed this um, thing on the weekend. And then I brought it to my guys in the group on Monday. And that's exactly what I said. I was like, let's us be those leaders so that when the kids are in whatever they're doing and when they're seeing men around, uh, around them, they're seeing the, oh, the leader. Wow. This guy is different. What is that? So I told them and yet here I am going like, well, it's still frustrating me. I still wish people made better choices. And I suppose what you just said is here we are doing this. Hopefully we can inspire some guys. Hopefully we can change some lives. Hopefully we can do that. And any life that we touch outside of our own, I think I should be grateful for that rather than, oh, it's never enough. And I think that shift in me, just not controlling everyone's outcome, even though like, man, my kids are going to have to grow up in this world and everyone's just not putting boundaries up. So I think that is it for me is just like, man, you can control you and you just be that light for other people. Thank you. That's awesome. It's you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, but you can make that water super enticing. And so um, like, yeah, we're, we're leading, we're showing people the way we're doing it, but how do we take them from like them pulling away from the thing? Like, yes, they're seeing it and pulling away is we make it super enticing. So how do we make the right thing super enticing? We look really good. We perform really well. We have a smile on our face. We treat others really well. We give, we make exorbitant amounts of money and give most of it away or, or bless others so much that everybody notices. That's how we make that water super enticing. Then people are like, how do I get what that guy has? And they start doing, they'll start emulating what you're doing. The, the anger, again, is a control thing. I can tell you that all day long. And um, I've been there and there's parts of this in my life. So my kids are still, my son is still in public school. So basically public school is, is an equation for eternal frustration. It is such an incredible cluster F. I can't even. And so like for me, it's like, you know, and yeah, it's something I can't control. I can, but I could pull my son from the school and I could make decisions, but I'm not for very specific, thought out, well-discussed, prayed over reasons. And um, so then I can't control the way the school is going to act, but I can do everything within my reason to be the best father and have the best son and lead through examples and rise above. So I don't know if that 
kind yeah, of no, relates that to that. Yeah, no, that makes me curious. What the are you willing to share those reasons why you want to keep them in there? Because that was one of those things that um, that's one of the things. I, actually, I talked to someone in the states the other day and I told them what's going on in the schools here, and they're like, even my Democrat voting so-and-so would think that's crazy. Are you for real? Uh, so I imagine it's a little bit different than the States, especially in Texas. Maybe, maybe it's not, but like it's, it's pretty bad here. Um, what were some of those considerations and how do you make those decisions? Like what, what's more important there for you guys? So that, you know, that's really interesting. I was a public teacher for years, 13 years. And when I was a public teacher, I had control. I saw the inside. I can put my kids in certain classes. I could align them with certain teachers. I was, if something wasn't going right, I went directly to the source. I'd actually get feedback. I'd actually get an ear listening to me. There was a lot of control over that situation. We moved to Texas. The Texas schools are very, a lot more conservative, very well-funded, very high operating where we're at, really great curriculum. And then things just keep going downhill and downhill. So we're so ingrained at this point. We're so like Corbin's going to be 16 this year, right? So for at this point, it's really tough to pull him out. Now, if he were in fifth grade right now, no brainer. He were in sixth grade going into sixth grade. No brainer. He's not in, he's not ingrained in that middle school. If you were in middle school, I even think at that point, he would have been totally cool with coming out. Now he's so ingrained in the in the culture of the band at the school that, uh, and he has a leadership position. And then literally, you are an outcast if you come in just for band because that is an option. And we've talked to this, you know, he, he's wasting his day. But we are making that choice because he says, "No, I would rather do this. I know I'm going to be fine. I know I'm going to crush it over here." Um, and unfortunately, this is so sad, Kurt, his opinion is, I'm just going to sit through the class. I'm going to get through it. He told me last year, he's like, I get about five minutes of instruction and the rest of it's just me waiting for all the idiots to shut up and stuff to start. And <laughs> they're teaching, you know, they're, they're just dumbing it down so much. It's, it's so insane. And I'm like, look, so what is my job then? My job is to tell him every failure, every success, every Thing I can about how business works and about how I function and how, how I'm seeing great success and why I'm seeing success and what failures I've had, because that is so much more powerful than anything they're telling them in school. You know, I, I saw a little magnet the other day. It's like um, something about teaching budgeting in school. Um, but instead we taught parallelograms to prepare for parallelograms, you know, season, because there is no parallelogram season, right? Like sure. It can be used in certain things, but it it is an exorbitant waste of time, but right now I'm looking at the social, um, psychological type learning opportunities, and here's the opportunity that he's getting there: is he's learning an incredible amount of critical thinking skills because he's loaded up with BS all day long, and he comes home and he says, "This happened." I'm like, "What do you think about that?" And I let him talk about it. And then this happened. What do you think about that? And then they showed CNN on TV, CNN one, which is an educational CNN, which is basically propaganda. And he's like, oh, this is what they said. I'm like, how do you feel about that? I am listening. He's being exposed. I'm listening. We are modeling. And I'm like, this kid is on the right path. And it worked for my older kid who's now 19. So I see the benefits of it because it's a guided life experience. Um, but you can do that homeschooling too. But at yeah. this point, it's so late in the game that we're okay with it. But man, all, it was everything in me today to say, oh my gosh, can we just get him out of here? Yeah. So 
and it yeah. starts school starts wednesday here so it's it's in two days <laughs> oh dang man yeah. well that uh, it takes that follow-up though right and i think i think that's awesome though if you're there and you're that like impact impactful in his life um you know all the rest of the kind of stuff can be put aside and i think you're right about the age thing i never thought about that before because you know i got 10 8 3 and 0 um so yeah that makes a lot of sense anyway thanks for that man are there any um you got some topics you want to dive into anything off the top of your head <sighs> you know i i want to talk about something i was listening to jordan peterson talk about and I, I, you know, there might be some people listening, guys out there. If you're entrepreneurial, I want to give you permission for some things. There's some obs- observations I've made, and this may not hit with anybody. It may not hit with you, Kurt, but I've been thinking a lot about me growing up. And I'm running my own businesses now. Um, you know, I would say financially successful, business successful, family successful. And I wanted to, I don't know if this is going to fall on anybody's ears. If it falls on one guy's ears, I'm going to be really happy. My entire life, I was what we'd call like a soft authority. I did not like authority. Someone tell me what to do, it was not going to go over well. I wasn't hardcore anti-authority. So did you ever feel that way? (laughs) I feel that way every moment of the day. Okay. So I want to give you some freedom. As Jordan Peterson that said, that is a mark psychologically of what makes a good entrepreneur. And so I was like, you know, my son's a little oppositional, not to me, but to other people, like the way the systems work, he'll, he'll bring it up. And I just looked at him. I said, this is awesome. He's like, well, what? I'm like, you notice all of these things that aren't when they're, someone is in leadership and they're doing things in a way and you kind of oppose it. You know what that means? He's like, no, I'm like, that's a marker of a good business person. That's a marker of someone who can be an entrepreneur. That is one of the things that they find. And so I wanted to say this to your listeners. If you find yourself oppositional, like be respectful and, and get it under control. But understand that that's a, that's a power. That's a superpower. You know what else is a superpower? ADD. <laughs> Go on. I, I talk okay. to a lot of guys who are like, oh man, I've got ADD and I can't do this thing. And I'm like, I think that might be an excuse, but like- It's what are, totally what are you? an excuse. Okay. Let's go to so that. having interviewed so many for my stories that sell podcasts, which isn't running right now, but having interviewed so many entrepreneurs and being in some really high level masterminds with business owners, 80% of them are ADD, 80 at least. And what I've noticed is when, when ADHD is actually just ADD. Um, so there's some new things about that, but uh, so I'm just going to use the term ADD to be attention deficit disorder. It is a superpower because typically if you're attention deficit disorder, you will also micro-focus, like focus solely in on one thing. And it allows you this opportunity to learn a ton of things. So I would just say embrace it, guys. Like stop fighting it. And then once you harness that, you have a superpower. And I don't, I wanted, I wanted to give somebody, I wanted one, if you feel ADD and you've been using an excuse, stop. It's actually an advantage. So find out where that thing helps you and dig into it that way. And I am seeing guys, multi-million dollar businesses, you know, 5 million revenue, 11 million revenue, 100 million revenue, and they are ADD off the charts, but they've learned to focus it and funnel it. And um, they're hard to talk to because they're all over the place. But I don't know. It was just something on my mind. Have you noticed this at all? Man, you know what? I I don't even like 
I don't know. I don't think I have any things like that. Uh, and maybe I do. Maybe I'm just like not thinking about it. But the thing that that brought to mind was the general idea of starting business. Because for me, the answer to a lot of guys that I talk to, I'm like, bro, this could be like most of your problems would go away if you would take the risk to do a business, which isn't doesn't need to be that like technical. You can go start a service business, honestly. Um, but they're talking about like, oh, I work too much. My wife has to work and I'm just so stressed out. And, you know, I, I don't feel like I have the freedom and I'm under someone's thumb and all the rest of this kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, you start today, right? Like that is as simple as it is for me. And I love telling guys, why don't you turn this into a business? Do you give guys the same sort of advice when it comes to like, just do it? Or do you like, does it have to depend on a certain type of man? Like what, what is your thought in terms of, I'm going to say most people being entrepreneur able, maybe is the right word. Like, I don't know. What do you think about that? If you have the itch, you need to scratch it. Okay. It, yeah. Too many people have not listened to themselves. They've lived in this box. And then what the world says is like somebody that, is very significant in my life that texted me said, Hey, I know you're doing really good in business and it's really cool. And I know you keep, you know, you're always changing. Well, I'm always growing. I'm always improving the service. I'm not changing, but you know, I just hope someday you settle down and get a steady career. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm like what? quadruple earning what I could earn if I worked for somebody. But I want, I say that because it's, it's the, it's the cultural view of this. So that's what guys are fighting. When they have this itch to start something, they're fighting that narrative that you want something secure. Well, does secure mean earning a tenth of what I could, my potential is? Like, really? Is secure my wife having to work in a job she may not want? Is secure, you know, living month to month? Like, I just don't get it because, you, or is it just because you have an IRA or whatever the BS is that everybody gets when you work for a job? Whatever. Like, and then, then there's the view of like, well, I can never retire. I don't know about you, Kurt. I have no intentions of ever retiring. That sounds like hell. Yeah, um, I think that same thing. Yeah, so I'd say scratch that itch. I have a, a speech that I give to entrepreneurs. It's called Ready, Fire, Aim. And because so many people overthink getting started. Okay, you want a business? Do something you don't like. Do something that needs to be done. Start mowing your neighbor's lawn. And then start mowing another neighbor's lawn. And it sucks. It's horrible work. And then mow another neighbor's lawn. Learn how to use that weed eater. Learn how to use the mower. Get the right mower. Get it to a system. Build that system. And oh, all of a sudden, now you're selling because people are seeing the results. Okay, you're selling, but you can't fulfill. You're working your ass off. Yes, you got to work your ass off. You got to do a ton of hours when you start a business. Yes, you're sacrificing time with your family. But when you're with your family, be with your family. The next step is then, ooh, I need to find someone who can help me mow lawns. And then you realize, oh, hey, look, if I keep finding people to mow lawns and do weed eating, I can sell more. And if I sell more, I can make more and I can pay more people to do the lawns. Guess what? You now have a business. And I would guarantee you if you can do lawn and then off-season work like snow blowing or whatever it might be, depending on your area, if you can do those two things, you can, ha you can have zero skills. You can learn it as you go. And I know, um, I know a guy who sold his landscaping business for eleven million last year, uh, and and um, I know guys doing eight figures that own landscaping businesses. So where did they start? They just started mowing a lot. And so it's ready, fire, aim. Now that means get an idea, just start doing it, fail forward. 
And if you don't know what it is, start somewhere and something else will come up. And that's what I did. I just started doing things. And would I have ever told somebody, oh, you know, I'm making a living placing uh, virtual, you know, over, I'm basically a, a, a personnel service, you know, like a hiring agency, right? Does that light my fire? No. You know what lights my fire though? What lights my fire is giving other business owners a lot of leverage and the messages I get from them about how they're winning and how amazing things are going and the lives that we're changing are the people getting work. That lights my fire. I would have never guessed it and it's been incredibly profitable and it just started with me finding a problem and figuring it out. And so fire, just start doing. Man, the um, so the, if you guys are interested in that, number one, if you can start an online business, I think it's awesome. Um, yeah. There is something to be said about working with your hands, though. And if you guys are interested in that, go look up Sweaty Startups. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, mm. but the whole thing is like how to make a blue-collar startup, basically. Um, but automate it and make it awesome and crush the competition and all that kind of stuff with, again, very little um, so-called skill. And I don't mean that you know pejoratively, but uh, it also... Do you want to go ahead? I was going to say the, the people that are crushing it in any home services are usually it's someone who knows how to mow lawns and starts a service or knows how to work on HVAC or whatever, right? They have no customer service. They have no structure in place. So if you're good at customer service and structure, you can go in and do that and you'll crush everyone because you'll grow and you'll deliver much higher level than them. And so you have, even if you're like, that's what you're in now and you're really good at that and you're like, well, I can't run this. Oh, you're you're way up ahead of everyone else because you're in the business of making people happy. And when they're happy, they're customers. And when they're happy customers, they share to other people and then you have more happy customers. So yeah, go ahead and go on. But I like the sweaty startups thing. The Okay, so this kind of leads into one of the topics that I had here that, and guys, in case you're listening, we're just like, I got a couple topics, Scott's got a couple topics, we're just, you know, riffing on this, but that it brings to mind this one. um, And I'm going to lay it out like this. So hobbies versus family time, um, the time that it takes to do something as a trade-off between getting more skills and having brotherhood. And what I mean by that is I often think about, I mean, I I audit my life regularly and I have a fun component or an adventure component. And some, I've literally put it simultaneously zero and 10 at the same audit. And what I mean by that is I don't do a lot of hobbies. I don't do a lot of adventure. I don't do a lot of external things that would so-called fill my, you know, whatever cup, my adventure, my fun cup. And some people would be like, oh, dude, you've got to go and do more. You've got to go play a sport. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. But I'm looking around going, okay, first of all, it ain't that season for me right now. I got four kids in a business and homeschool, blah, blah, blah. But even if it were, I just have so much fun building business and just being with my family and having like a couple of friends that personally, I don't feel like I need it. But I did have this thought in the back of my head, like, is that a cop out? <laughs> Should I actually be like trying to do something outside the house? Cause it gives me a chance to meet people and maybe learn a skill. Um, or like, do you think it's legit just personally to enjoy your business and your family enough that you don't need huge external activities? Where do you fall on that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really interesting. I gave up mountain biking and I'll get back into it again, but I've gave up mountain biking because you got an hour drive to the spot. You got, you know, equipment set up. You got a couple hour ride, another half hour, hour home, then shower. Four hours is gone. I love doing it. So what did I do? I go rock. I throw a pack on my back. I throw on a pair of shoes and I just go. Okay. Same physical outlet, still out in nature, 
the the onboarding and offboarding time is way faster. I can fit it in in 30 minutes. I can do two hours. It's way more controllable, all right? Where I really have a problem with guys doing hobbies is that I think for them, it's an escape rather than a growth opportunity. And so if you're using it as an escape from the real world, shame on you, get over yourself and figure your stuff out. Like if you go golf for five hours, because golfing takes forever, stop it. That's ridiculous. If you have kids and you have a wife and you're not spending time with them and you're golfing instead, I don't care how much you like it, compartmentalize it because you're stealing from your family. And I speak from this from doing it for years. So get over yourself. You stop being an asshole and do what you need to do. Now, could you go hit some balls at the at the range? Yes. Could you go golf? Yeah. Like do it once a week, not every night. And so I think there's like there's this control aspect, but I think most guys are just trying to escape. And escape is dangerous. Yeah. So I would really question yourself why you're doing what you're doing. My hobbies right now are working out, hanging out with my family, and working. And I am as happy as can be. And I go to, Same. so then what, I, what do I do? I have a men's event so that I have at least, you know, five, six days, maybe 10 days a year where I have concentrated time with, my, with other men to sharpen my sword. And that is how I do it. It's concentrated. I have calls that I can do in the day where I'm talking with other men. I'm still sharpening my sword. I go to church. I involve involved in those things, but I'm not escaping. And I'm, I, I would say most hobbies for most men is an escape. And if you're escaping, that's like using porn because it's easier to do that than to you know foreplay with your wife all week long. Uh, it's a shortcut. And it's, it's ridiculous. So I would call any guy out <laughs> like, and then there's the, the young person's um, thing and guys, you might relate to this and I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, but it's really stupid for you bring your wife, try to bring your wife into your, your sports and your hobbies. She's going to pretend she likes it. She's probably not. Like if she doesn't go do it on her own, guess what? She's doing it just to appease you. So right now, if she's golfing with you or if she's out four wheeling for you, Say, hey, babe, would you ever want to just do this with your friends? And if she says, no, do you want to do it by yourself? No. I would really ask you, she's doing it to be with you. And there's way better ways to be with her. And so um, I tried that with mountain biking with my wife. It was stupid. Like she was totally okay with it, but it was never quality time. And it's really selfish. And I think a lot, I think a lot of guys do that. Do you think a lot of guys do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. So the the whole idea behind this, I agree 100%. And I think that, a lot of this so-called hobbies today are escape, as you mentioned. Um, I talked to a lot of guys. I mean, porn is not a hobby, I guess, but it's yeah. become with the amount of time that people do it. Like, I was shocked, dude. Like, oh, yeah, you know, a couple times a day. I'm like, what? Anyway, That's but insane. video games is another big one. Um, there's a man in our group who I'm going to get on this podcast. He's got, you know, just that little bit more to go before he wants to, like, you know, do his so-called big reveal. He's losing a ton of weight. Anyway, the call I had with him... Uh, I, I made a post about video games and I just want to like, I just want to sucker punch someone here just in case you do play video games still. And it's taking away from your family. And again, it's one of those things that Scott just said, if it is actually getting in the way and you're not just fooling yourself going, Oh no, it's fine. Um, you know, again, get over yourself because I've made this post about, you know, don't waste your time playing video games, go and build yourself up in the real world. And I think I was thinking about that the other day. Like, am I looking at anything on my phone? What could I possibly want to be doing? No, I just want to go back to work. 
and then go with the family. But if you're doing the video game thing, this guy got on the call with me and immediately afterwards he was driving to Goodwill to drop off his Xbox. Wow. He'd been gaming for like his whole life, but he saw in that moment that it was just an escape mechanism for him to feel emotionally well or not to feel emotionally at all. And so I would challenge guys, if you are really deep into any hobby, like I, oh man, even there's guys who like collect cards and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, what? Oh, it's just childish in my opinion. No, and, it's not your opinion. It's reality. It's childish. Okay, that's good. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know the story and that's true. I don't. And if you have a family and maybe I want to see like how hardcore you are on this, but like if you got a family, I'm going to say the answer is almost always to die to yourself and do something for them. Mm-hmm. How do you think about that? So, okay, you just said you're, you know, condensing in a few days every year in this sort of event. And of course you're going to go out to do a church thing, or of course you're going to go like see a a friend here and there. But how do you judge, man, am I taken away from my family or will this do good things for my family? Cause I'll come back enriched. Is there like a decision-making matrix? I know you talk about values a lot, or is there something else? So I take my boys wherever I can. So they're involved, mm-hmm. right? I mean, when not at all possible. And then also, if it, it's got to be an enriching activity for me. It's got to be something that I'm going to come back and be able to give more to my family. Okay, and maybe so, that's just it. Give that's more it. based on what it is. Okay. And then, okay. hey, if I, if I were to go on a three-day mountain biking trip, I'm going to go with people who are going to lift me up and I'm going to come back and I'm going to come back better for my family. This is a really interesting twist on this though just recently i was like you know i don't have any like idle time hobbies and what i found myself doing is just uh, like i'm on the automatic go to social media and look at it and i've really been trying to audit myself on that i'm doing it a ton and part of that is because i build business through my interactions and it's, it's very intentional but i've almost like gosh do i need to like buy a really high level this is real this is real conversation a high level like uh one of those advanced lego kits and put it on my table and like when my wife wants to t- watch TV or just chill out, I don't want to. I don't. I don't do that well. So what if I had? So here's how I'm framing this. What if? And I don't want to do Legos. But what if I bought a really high level Lego set and sat there so that my mind is free? There's no. And I, I'm just doing this thing, and I can have conversation. And so that's where I've decided. Like there's certain. Like I'm trying to find something that I can do in one spot while she's watching TV or trying to have a conversation with me where I can keep my phone away. So I'm looking for like that habit set, like replacing a habit with something more positive. So for me, that's things I'm doing strategically to be more engaged. It's strategic for me to to grow in my relationship with my wife and not just uh uh-huh, uh-huh and be lost because that is such a horrible path you can go down with the, with the phone. Um, so I think you really just have to evaluate what the outcome of what you're doing is and why you're doing it. What's the motivation? What's the outcome? What's the benefit? Um, and hobbies can turn into great money-making opportunities. I will tell you this though, they will ruin your love for that hobby. (laughs) Oh yeah. You got a bike shop, eh? Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. So the optimization, this is what I always go back to is like, what am I optimizing for? I always ask myself that. And I think it's awesome in most situations, but in life and family, I think it's very safe to say I'm optimizing for a great marriage to raise great kids and to have longevity or to build a legacy or whatever that thing is. But if you're in a family as a father and you're leading and you're not optimizing for them, I think that's probably the, the red flag in my eyes at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, let me, we got a few minutes. Let, let's yeah, jump into another thought here. So yeah, I think the last one that I was going to talk about is um, just in terms of like behavior in children and how to instill in them good habits. So for me, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to go through what I think and then I want you to talk about this. We don't use like sticker boards or reward boards or anything like that. We just show them and tell them what to do and why to do it and then expect them to do the right thing. Um, but I have talked to a lot of parents who are like, man, we just can't get them to do this and they're fighting about stuff. And so we've just had, you know, whatever the sticker board is, or if you get X amount of stickers, you get a reward. Um, maybe I'll just leave it at that. I okay. think I can go with that. Do, do, do the right thing for the right reason and teach the kids to do the same way. But what did you guys do? So no sticker boards, no rewards. Um, but here, and I have to give my wife credit for this because I was a little mature in this, but like literally set boundaries, black and white, no gray area, and uphold them to the utmost, utmost integrity. You have to, it doesn't matter how inconvenient it is for you. It doesn't matter how torturous it is for you. It doesn't matter if it's ruining your plans. Because if you do that work up front, you will, they will fall in line. And I'm not talking about like just robots. I'm thinking about, I'm talking about critical thinking, problem solving, adolescents that will turn into incredible adults because like as a child, and I think I've had this conversation with you as a child, they will behavioral. It's just recorded behavior, psychological um, fact that they will push to see where the boundaries are because that defines safety. So when you get an oppositional kid a lot of times we've wrapped these in all really fancy sayings and things and, and disorders and whatever, but a lot of times there's just lack of structure. So the parents that say nothing is working is because they're not working. So I, I'm just going to call you out. That's a bunch of BS. You just haven't held your standards. Maybe the wife has and the husband ha- hasn't. And then there's this co- dissonance happening in the kid of like, I don't know where order is. This is all about order and safety. And so then, of course, it's not going to work. If dad says yes to this and mom says no to this or there's no communication, it's a lack of communication, it's a lack of unity, and it's a lack of holding a standard. Then you've got to use star charts and money and carrots and all this other woo-hoo stuff that I think is just dumb. And, and then, then every time they do something, they, they, they got their hand out. And is that what we want to... Do we want a kid that goes and serves... Um, meals to the needy and puts their hand out at the end like hey like where's my gold star or five bucks like no do what you're supposed to do because you're supposed to do it and so i i would argue that anybody that has to go to that there's a little chaos somewhere in their relationship yeah and so this is like one of the biggest things that i hear from guys is the um you know unruly child they don't listen in fact they often turn violent i don't know if you've noticed that as well but in in this situation that's what happened to us before i had figured out any of this before i even heard about the fact that you could be a good dad i was like oh man i I googled how to get a four-year-old to stop hitting Mm -hmm. and it turns out empathizing when they have emotions so that they can learn to navigate those and digest them number one number two set boundaries and just like actually realize that you're in charge and it's scary for them when you're not. And I think, man, there is like another whole hour conversation here in terms of like, what if the wife is not into it? What if the husband's not into it? How do you agree? What if there is hitting? How do you stay calm during that? How do you do all this kind of stuff? So maybe we'll punt that for another episode. I think so. Yeah. But okay. So, good one. so, okay, there we go. Anything but else? It, 
if if you get this in order, it's going to be chaos. You're going to have screaming at your house. And it's going to take a long time. Probably, You're going to have too. kicking and screaming and disobedience. If you get it in order, this is so much easier to deal with a toddler. It's embarrassing and it's frustrating than it is with a middle schooler or with a pregnant teen or with some a kid that's hooked on drugs yeah. because they have never developed those things. And in them, it, them, for them, life is a little chaos. There's no black or white. It's all blurry. So when there's blurry, you're searching. And when searching creates problems. So you deal with it now or you deal with it later. Do you want a kid at 28 living in your home because they're not, a ba- they're not able to take care of themselves? Then screw it up now. Yeah. The, the price is much higher long-term than it is short-term. And yeah, la- last thought on this is that we don't, I have seen, even in my life, I don't, like I can expect so much out of my kids and they'll they'll really deliver a lot. I've got to be careful because I do this too much. I have too high expectations often. Ah, uh, yes. But, <laughs> on myself too. But what I've seen is that every time we add one extra thing that the kids need to do in terms of chores every day, um, it's like, oh man, we could have done this months ago because they get it. And so by having that high standard and not going, well, they're never going to do this if I don't give them a reward. That's not true. It's not have true. the expectation be that we expect greatness, have a family rule system laid out and printed out somewhere, agree to that, talk about it often, and then just expect that everyone does the right thing for the right reason and then hold them accountable to that. Like yeah. my kids can cook basic meals. They bake all by themselves. They clean this. They do like, there's so much more that I don't think people are giving their kids credit for being so able, um, while also then holding the boundaries when their natural childishness comes out. So I hope that encourages someone to, you know, do a little bit more uh, leading so as a father and uh, set a boundary. So anyway, yeah. I know we got to go. This sucks. I would love to do this for another hour, but uh, man, thank you for coming on. Where? Thank you. Where should we send people? What are you doing these days? Oh, they can go to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast, but they should just listen to yours. It's, it's good stuff. I'll just <laughs> keep right. coming on. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, for sure. Let's do this uh, again soon and we'll right. continue to navigate this particular style. But guys, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, show notes, dad.work slash podcast, you can find everything you need there. And uh, anyway, we're out. Thanks guys. Thank you for listening to the Dad Work Podcast. That's it for this episode. But if you would like to stay in touch between weekly episodes, why don't you go over to Instagram and follow me there? Because I drop a number of things throughout the week that are related to what we talk about on this podcast, but usually go a little bit deeper, provide some tips. You can find me on Instagram at dadwork.curt. That's D-A-D-W-O-R-K dot C-U-R-T. And please, if you have been getting something out of this podcast, if it has touched you, if it has improved your marriage, your parenting, or your life, would you please leave a quick review on Apple or Spotify? Leave a rating. If you have a few extra seconds, leave a quick review. That's the best way that we can get this work in the hands of more fathers. And I truly believe that we change the world one father at a time because each father that parents better, that loves better, raises children who do the same. And in just a couple of generations, I feel like we could be living in a world much better than the one we live in today. Your review will help along that path. And I thank you so much for being here to listen. Until next week, we'll see you then.